Welcome back to the Vitalist Spark podcast. I'm Marcus Johnson, Director of State Health Policy and Advocacy with Vitalist Health Foundation. And I am hungry. We've officially made it to the holiday season of 2021. And for many of us, that means family, friends, and yes, food. So today we're catching up with two leaders in Phoenix's food system. Roseanne Albright is with the city of Phoenix and Darren Chapman with Tiger Mountain Foundation. These two individuals are here to give us a behind the scenes look at their work, to highlight the complexities of where our food comes from, and to remind us of the expansive power of food. So pull up a chair, grab a fork, and enjoy this conversation about the growth of food in Phoenix. Thank you both so much for joining the Vitalist Spark podcast. We are thrilled to have you here today. We have Miss Roseanne Albright with the City of Phoenix. She is the Environmental Programs Coordinator at the City of Phoenix. And Darren Chapman, CEO of Tiger Mountain Foundation. How are y'all doing today? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for asking. Fantastic. Thank you, Marcus. Glad to have y'all here. It's almost Thanksgiving. Most of us are thinking about how are we going to fill our faces with as much food as possible and often don't even think twice about where that food's coming from. So we wanted to do an episode on food, food systems, food insecurity here in the city of Phoenix. And y'all are two experts that know this field like the back of your hands. So tell us a little bit about your organizations and what you're all about. Roseanne? Well, thanks, Marcus, for naming me an expert, but I would dare say that I feel nowhere near that. Maybe in the next 20 years, I'll feel that way, but I'm just fortunate in that I've had the opportunity to work with and learn from folks like Darren and others and really get into this field. So I have been with the city for about 23 years now, primarily in the Office of Environmental Programs, and really my entire career has been spent in cleaning up the environment. So cleaning up contamination that occurred in soil, water, or air. And prior to coming to the city, I was a consultant. So as I started thinking about expanding what we do at the city of Phoenix, our office was also involved in some sustainability initiatives. And so I had the opportunity to go ahead and kind of explore new areas. And food was one of those areas. And I'm really fortunate in that our office is a function of the city manager's office, and we work with all departments throughout the city, and we have an opportunity to really bring new programs and new ideas to the city manager's office. And that's how it happened with food, is it really grew out of uh, not only a personal interest, but interest from other staff and other departments to really look more at how can the city get involved with food systems. And I myself, I have to admit, I grew up really with abundance. I grew up in New Mexico with a mom who really was the best cook in the family. And all my memories of food are about love and the care that went into so many really homemade, delicious meals and the fun centered around the kitchen table. To this day, I really still miss breakfast at home with a homemade quesadilla with a little bit of green chili. And in the summertime, my mom would add a squash blossom in the middle of that quesadilla. And I remember when I was young, feeling so sophisticated eating that flour. And so my mom was the first one that introduced me to different ways to eat and, and the importance of healthy food. So I thank her for that. And now I finally had the chance to really get more involved in it. So I'm glad. I'm happy for it. 
at some point we're going to have to have you back on just to give us some more recipes for delicious food that we can make for ourselves. Darren, how did you come into the food world? Well, well, first and foremost, Roseanne is an expert. And you ate a squash quesadilla, for goodness sakes? Th- that makes you an expert, man. Nobody just <laughs> eat squash quesadilla, for goodness sakes. So, so Thank you, Darren. It, right on, right on. And, and so, therefore, I'm, I'm going to take that, that uh, market. So, I'm going to take that expert tag. When I grew up in South Central LA, I, I never knew that we were poor because my, my grandmama had a garden in the backyard. We had an incredibly huge avocado tree. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of avocados. We had plums, we had peaches. Our front yard was adorned and separated the next yard and it was berries. And so I even found out that I could eat my grandmother's rose petals. I'm not sure that you know, we kind of ate a little bit of everything, including dirt. <laughs> Somebody said this, iron rich. So so I never knew that I was poor. I was literally becoming uh, an expert right away because grandmama and grandpa, my, my grandmother being the 25th kid of, uh, I always like to bring this out, uh, of a breeder slave. So those folks had to work on a plantation. She was the third of those 25 that was born out of slavery. And so there was sharecropping going on. So when my grandfather met my grandmother, and that quick from there to here was passed along to myself as a young guy growing up in Los Angeles, California. And so our organization literally evolved from the griots, the people who could really actually tell the stories and then show you how to take care of the soil and then show you how to put that seed and nurture that seed into something that could become not only very abundant, but really good for you. And then somehow over the years, uh, get with really great folks like Roseanne and like Vitalist Health Foundation who assisted me and even crafting this narrative around workforce economics and uh, how we take a vacant lot, not only tell that story, but maybe that story actually even extends into Phoenix City Backyard Garden projects, which we are so grateful to be a part of currently. That's what our, at least, and I say our uh, constantly, uh, we are story is. I'm so fortunate to be part of not only fantastic consultants from Vitalist, but I've been actually weaned as a nonprofit organization, I would say, Marcus, literally rocked from the cradle from Vitalist Health Foundation. And I'm proud of that. We are proud that this past April was the beginning of our 15th year. Coming next year will be the beginning of our 16th year. And and our projection is to go beyond that. And it's the impact. And so I love the fact that we take these vacant lots and we convert them into these incredible opportunities. That's incredible. And I don't know if we've rocked you from the cradle. I think all all we do is identify talent and help to support that talent and make sure it can manifest and, and do all that it can. So kudos. Roseanne is with the city of Phoenix, like Darren alluded to, you really focused on a lot of the policies, the systems changes, how can we launch certain types of programs to address food insecurity and build out the food system. Darren, you you kind of alluded to Tiger Mountain Foundation and and how you came to be. For the audience that's never been to one of your gardens or isn't familiar with Tiger Mountain Foundation, paint a picture on on what this organization is and what y'all do. When you come to one of our gardens, you're going to see beyond the sheer aesthetic beauty of Swiss chard and 
beautiful plants growing and, and fruit and veggies growing. Beyond that aesthetic, you're going to see a narrative change. You're, you're going to see systems being encountered because not only do we want to empower ourselves by changing a conversation that doesn't clog our veins with cholesterol and, and give us high blood pressure, you're going to see how we literally take the nucleus of those gardens and incubator farms and we change that narrative into how a billion dollar prison pipeline can happen in the same community. But some of those folks who have been affected by that prison pipeline, including myself, are now in conversations that are forward moving around what that change narrative can look like. It can look like economics being better around how we grow these gardens, how we take that produce to the farmer's markets. We have a completed business plan for that. We've been working with private philanthropy and, and all different types of folks to forward that change narrative. So you're going to see folks with learning disabilities, uh, definitely environmental handicap, which I think is a really bad word. There are environmental hurdle, and we want to literally obliterate those. So when you look beyond the sheer aesthetic beauty of our garden, you're going to see what's really happening with Tiger Mountain Foundation is those very value-added messages. Anytime that I've been down to any of your gardens, it's, it's just astounding to see. On the surface, people think of community gardens as something that provides food to individuals, which is a critical asset of any garden. But the work that Tiger Mountain Foundation does is inclusive of feeding and so much more. Roseanne, to that point and to the point about like the interdisciplinary nature of food and food systems, I know the city of Phoenix not too long ago created the food action plan. And when I look at the list of contributors to that food action plan, at least in the city of Phoenix, it's like the city housing department, city water services, city human services, parks and recreation, economic development department. All of those folks are included in the creation of this food action plan. How does the city of Phoenix think of food in relation to what Darren was just speaking to? Well, I think the city of Phoenix recognized, oh, it's probably been about five years ago when we established our 2050 environmental sustainability goals, that access to healthy food is just as important to a good quality of life as jobs, as clean air, clean water. And so we had the opportunity to really bring it to the forefront and recognize that local government we do have a role in making sure that there is healthy food available for everyone in our city. And we do that really in a couple of ways. We've already started to talk about that collaboration. You mentioned in the Food Action Plan, we had many city departments that were involved in creating that plan. But more importantly, we had the community. And by community, I mean those most impacted by food insecurity and hunger were at the table with us, contributing and telling us what the challenges were, what possible solutions were, and what was really needed in their community. So within that food action plan, you have a citywide plan, but you also have a South Phoenix food action plan. So we're really proud that we had that opportunity to create that hand in hand with those most impacted by the issue. The plan also includes ways that we the city can directly influence policies and system changes. One of the things that we're working on right now is a zoning code update so that it clarifies how you do a business, 
not only commercially, but how you can grow food in your own home as well. And so just clarifying that, making it clear, giving opportunities for innovation in agriculture, given that we are facing hotter temperatures and climate change affecting water, we certainly want to encourage food production in a way that considers that and can be resilient for us in the future. We also have, I think at the city, because we are so large, we're the largest city in the state, we have those connections and the infrastructure to help people get things done. So one of the things that we have learned along the way is that all areas of the food system really need help, whether it's land for farming, whether it's a place to process and distribute those products, getting consumers and retail and restaurants to recognize the importance of purchasing and using and eating local food, all the way to what do we do with waste at the end? Can we reduce that food waste? Can we provide food that is still edible to those in need? So it's really at all of those steps that the city, I think, can intervene. And generally, it's always a collaboration. We can't do it all by ourselves either. The one really good thing that we can do, though, is support others, whether it's through grant applications or providing funding. I'm really excited, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in a little bit, about our backyard garden program that we are initiating. And Darren and Tiger Mountain Foundation are one of our partners that are going to be installing gardens for residents living in low-income food desert areas to be able to grow their own food. Not only are they getting a garden, but they're also going to be getting education and training. And so they have that opportunity to, in the future, not only eat healthy, but maybe there's even economic opportunities. And we wouldn't know this if it wouldn't have been for our work in the Food Action Plan and what we heard then and what we heard during the pandemic as well. There's so many places that we can intervene. really exciting. So let's, let's dive into that more. And so this backyard gardening program, this is something that anybody who's in a certain geographic area could potentially apply for to the city of Phoenix to be able to grow their own food in their backyard? Yes. So the Phoenix Backyard Garden Program was initiated from the 2021 American Rescue Plan coronavirus funding. So the city received a a pretty substantial allocation, and part of that was reserved for food systems. It's really even exciting that at the city level, our council and city managers and mayor recognized that the importance of a local food system was critical. Everyone heard about the empty shelves. Everyone heard about the product going to waste at farms. Everyone heard all of these things that were happening. So it did give us that opportunity to say, hey, there's lots of different things that we can do beyond just providing money to food banks to get emergency food boxes out. While that's super important, let's do something that really helps individuals and helps our overall food system. So the Backyard Garden Program is available right now. We just closed our application period. It's for up to 90 residents. We'll probably have a little more than that, roughly 100 residents that'll get a backyard garden that will be installed in their home. You can be a renter or a homeowner. You have to live in certain geographical parts of the city, which primarily are South and West Phoenix, where we know most food deserts are located. You have a choice of a traditional raised bed garden, an enhanced raised bed garden, and an aquaponic system. 
So Tiger Mountain is one of those folks that are building raised beds. They have great expertise. And not only is it a raised bed, but it's a raised bed that's going to last for a good long time. They'll be able to build that bed, educate that homeowner on how to garden. We'll provide some plant starters and seeds and you'll get education on how to keep going and have the ability to reach out to that partner for an entire 12 months. At the same time, we'll be collecting data from all of the participants to kind of learn how much can be grown, how much water is used, how much more active have you become, is your health better? You know, all of those kinds of things that will help us indicate what kind of changes or improvements might be needed to the program so that we can continue it. We'll have the opportunity to ask for more funding from our council next summer as well. Just to let you know how much interest there is out there, we received over 600 applications for this program. And out of those, a few of them fell out because they weren't in the geographical area, but over half of them, a little over 300 were eligible. And right now we've got 90 slots. So it just tells us you know, people want this. People want to know how to grow their own food. They want to be responsible for their own health and responsible. If any kind of shock happens in the future, this will give them that opportunity to be able to do that. So that's one of those programs that we've included. There are 10 in all in our Phoenix Resilient Food Program. And that's one of them that I think so far is going to be super successful. Darren, so am I hearing that you're going to be making some house calls in the near future? Man, the doctor is in the house. I'm, I'm going to change my name to Dr. D. <laughs> you heard of Dr. J. Yeah, I'm going to be doing backyard gardens, Marcus. And, and I am just elated that we are in this type of conversation. I, I think a fair evolution, at least my own personal growth, would have been to create a little garden almost 15 years ago and, and then have that garden actually do something really strong and impacting to be in a conversation where that actually evolved into a sustainability avenue for us was something that wasn't part of our initial intentionality. We, we Our intention was literally to bring the community, that very same close community, into better conversations around not having gang violence. So so blood and encrypting, you know, that just didn't make any sense when those people could be empowered. And, and so we did it from that pulpit. We did it from that community garden. So for that conversation to now go into some of the things that Rosanna's talking about when we're talking about how we can actually grow food in our own yard and bring this nutritious piece to our families, how, how we can grow food in other thoroughfares, working with developers. And we're in those conversations and, and we've made hundreds of thousands, dare I say, millions of dollars in regards to how we actually created that very first backyard garden off of 32nd Street in Atlanta. And then literally within uh, probably a month, another one at Keys Community Center, which no longer is even there on 25th Street and Broadway. However, right up the street, because we wanted then this, we, we started being ambitious quick. And so we had the Garden of Tomorrow very quickly as well. And it's actually still up and running and just as vibrant as it was 14 years ago. So yes, the evolution being Backyard Gardens, Marcus, is amazing. And we're looking so forward to this, Roseanne. We, we can't wait. I mean, 
We have certain things that we've done, Marcus, in regards to how we've streamlined even our process so that now as we build towards our agri-landscaping piece being a sustainability avenue, we want that process to be very streamlined. And so how we put that irrigation in, how we put those beds in, how we communicate, as Roseanne spoke of, back and forth with the different folks who are going to be receiving these. And, and then taking this pilot and actually using using that pilot to be able to do this type of great work with folks like the city of Phoenix further down the road. Our goal is to nail this. And so, yeah, we're excited about it. All right. You just used a big word, agri-landscaping. Is that what I heard? Agri-landscaping. So there's a fantastic organization called Agriscape LLC. Agriscape LLC, Mr. Justin Ronner, those folks do a fantastic job. They, they have some projects that they work on. They are truly amazing. Justin and I coming along right around the same time, we had to come to a moment where the word Agriscape would be his organization and Agri-landscaping would be Tiger Mountain Foundation because our goal is to create in development an opportunity to not only put in a community garden, but other edible accoutrement and other edible thoroughfare in some of these developments. And then, Marcus, to actually work with that very same community to bring that edible, nutritious produce back to that new development and also harvest some of that back into this avenue that we want to go back into the farmer's markets, back into the food bank. So one of the things that Roseanne spoke of that the city of Phoenix is doing really well is with some of the different folks who have food banks and that type of thing. So instead of just getting sustenance, they're getting nutritious sustenance. Both of you have been in the city of Phoenix for long enough to see this trend evolving over time, this trend toward more sustainable food systems. Give us a little historical context. Like, where are we in that journey as a city? What sort of things have you seen in the past five years, 10 years, 20 years to make you think, you know what, we're really making progress as a region in terms of building healthier food systems? Well, one of them is in this box. So if we were the Brady Bunch of food systems and you had this smiling face in one of those boxes, then then one thing's for sure, you would have a different type of inclusion that showed a progress in your city, not just on your Brady Bunch telecast. And and by the way, I love the Brady Bunch, so I don't want no cards and letters talking about, hey, the Brady Bunch was fantastic. Yeah, I know, man, I get it. Peter was my dude, man, and Greg. I love those guys. However, I just feel that the evolution is, I'm using that word evolution again, because maturation and evolution, when you're talking about a 5, 10, 15-year period with the city, has happened. The Roseanne Albrights of the world, so professional and so expert in the area of how this can have inclusion with a guy like myself who has 
unfortunately been behind bars, who also, once again, as much as I didn't recognize that I was lower socioeconomic, I was truly lower socioeconomic. I'll never consider myself poor. I think that's something that you have to really work for. And, and we didn't work for poor. We weren't in that socioeconomic next level. And so having myself along with the myriad of others, we have over 40 folks who make over $15 an hour, some 20, some 25, some 30. We are extremely proud of that and what that means for our future. So that's been the evolution of the city of Phoenix. I'm damn proud to say that I've been a part of that for 15 of those years, for sure, in these conversations. So I've, I've seen quite a bit happen because I'm, I'm seeing folks come to the gardens with other issues. And then as they see us work together and empower ourselves, they transition and or transform their lives into a better quality. And so therefore, like we've said in this podcast, it goes way beyond that beautiful aesthetic. It's, it's actually taken on a maturation of itself. Roseanne, when you think back about the progression of, of food systems in the city of Phoenix, and, and I, I don't mean to say the city of Phoenix specifically as a government entity, but in the actual, just the city as a whole, what do you look back on? What do you see happening where it makes you think, you know what, like we're making a lot of progress right now? You know, because the city didn't get intimately involved with food systems until about five years ago, I think we were not at the table. And now that we are, I think we have the opportunity to influence not only policies, but also influence the way local government does business with for-profit businesses and nonprofit businesses. One of the things Darren alluded to is inclusivity and having people that look like him at the table. And that's what we've really tried to do with our food action plan. And we've taken it even a step further in one of our programs, we got the support from our elected officials to fund grassroots and community organizations last year that were providing food resources. They were very hyper-local in their neighborhoods, doing what they normally do, and also providing food, whether it was dry goods or it was a food box or an actual meal. They were all doing this without being a certified 501c3 or any of those kinds of requirements that you often find they need to have in order to be funded as either through a philanthropic foundation or certainly through government. So it gave us a chance to say, okay, help comes in all kinds of different ways. And one of those ways that's really important is by allowing those grassroots community organizations to get access to funds and get access to help to continue to do their work. And most of those organizations were run by people of color. And so that also brought additional people to the table that would not have been otherwise. So I see that evolution, not only in the food system itself, but in the way we do business. I also think our food system is just beginning to evolve. The pandemic, as I mentioned earlier, really got people thinking about where does my food come from? And so now we have more and more interest from consumers and from restaurants and people who use food to figure out where is it coming from? Where can I get something that's healthier and easier and comes right from within my own neighborhood? And so I think that's changing. I also think that the value of food, whether it's being grown or processed, is more important. 
we have folks like our own community and economic development department that now have recognized that food industry is a recognized sector that provides economic benefits to our overall economic system, which I don't think was there before. There might have been other things that were more important, but now we actually have within the city of Phoenix, our own economic development department actually has a food entrepreneurship and innovation strategy within their overall economic development plan. So it's given us the opportunity to not only recognize food as a value, but as an economic benefit. It creates jobs. It has an opportunity for workforce training. It brings people who want that access to healthy food. When we're bringing companies that want to work here and expand here, many of their employees want to say, hey, I want to go to my farmer's market. I want to grow food. I want to go visit my local farmer. And so even from that perspective, we're seeing more and more interest. So I think we'll continue to evolve and continue to move forward. I don't even think we've even hit our height yet. If we were, you know, looking at 100% having the, the best, most sustainable, efficient, equitable system, I think we're about 30% of the way there. We've got a long way to go. What I do see is we have that support. We have the support of all of us working together, all of us stakeholders, Darren, myself, and all the others that work together. We have the support of elected officials not only at the local level, but I think at the state level as well. And people recognize that you, you got to eat. If you're going to live, you got to eat. And where is that healthy food coming from? So all of those things, I think we're going to get there eventually. Let's have the audacity to dream right now. Roseanne, you said, you know, if if we're thinking about the trajectory to get to a fully equitable, inclusive, sustainable food system, we're maybe 30% of the way there. What does 100% of the way there look like? What are some of the things that maybe are half-baked ideas or really just visionary projects or innovations that you think about that you say, you know, in the near distant future, this is really going to help us move along that trajectory. What else do we need to be thinking about? Marcus, when you said dream big, I have to share with you that last year, our city manager, Ed Zerker, before he retired, he said to me, dream big about the food system. Tell me what it would take in order for us to get to that equitable, sustainable, thriving local food system. And when he said that, you know, sometimes you get those exercises in government that says, you know, propose a few things. He really meant it. And so what we have the chance to do is dream big. And we came up with about $20 million worth of programs that would move us toward that equitable food system. And we were fortunate and that we received almost $10 million in funding to do just that. So we're living a part of our dream right now. And I think in the future, in the next year or so, I'm hoping we'll be able to continue down that dream. So we have everything from tackling each part of the food system, starting at the growing piece. We have grants that are going to be coming out in a couple of months for our local farmers to be able to implement resilient and sustainable practices solar, agrovoltaic, better drip irrigation systems, 
shade, whatever might be needed to grow longer and in consideration of our changing climate. We also have agri-food technology innovation grants. So what that really means is that those businesses that want to expand into something different or coming from other countries or other locations that want to come to Phoenix and start growing food in large warehouses, it's all vertical, that's, you know, two, three, four stories high. We have that opportunity to help provide gap funding and assist them in doing that. It could be at the wayside if folks want to do something different and put anaerobic digesters at grocery stores and collect that food waste and collect that rich compost and give it back to the farmers. So all of those kinds of things are happening. We also have heard time and again about the lack of farmland that is available in the city with development coming and so many people moving into Phoenix and the county were losing farmland. So we've allocated funding for farmland preservation. So private sector can come and apply for funds from the city to help put an agricultural conservation easement on a piece of property so that it can be used for agriculture in perpetuity. That was a really big one because I think our elected officials recognized and heard from everybody out there that farmland's going away and how are we going to eat if we don't have our own place to grow and let's stop exporting everything and let's use it within our own local food system. So that's happening where we talked about our backyard food project. We also have job training. We're thinking about what happens when all of our local farmers are getting a little bit older and there's nobody coming back in to fill that career. So we have an urban ag fellowship where we're going to be placing young folks age 18 to 24 with farms in Phoenix for an entire year. And we're paying them $15 an hour for 20 hours a week to be placed with those farms to learn all about that process. And after that, they have an opportunity to join our worker cooperative food business incubator and job training program, where we're really looking at a new model, business model that really brings a cooperative of people together in any part of the food system to start a new business. Come back to that economic opportunities that could be there, whether it's folks that work with Darren, all all of his farms that want to get together and form a business, or others that may want to get together and form this cooperative kind of business. So with all of these things, we're starting that movement toward that equitable and thriving local food system. Our dream is starting to happen. We've got a lot of interest in all of these programs. We're getting them implemented right now as we speak. And a year from now, we should have some idea of what was successful, what we can improve, what we can do better, and have the chance to even dream more and take that other $10 million that we didn't get this year and start to do more. And it all came about really in talking and collaborating with people like Darren, with Vitalist, with Local First Arizona, with LISC, Pinnacle Prevention, all of the folks that have been working in this arena really shared with us, hey, this is what we think needs to happen, working with our residents and really learning from them. This is what works in my neighborhood and this is what I need. So we're making it happen. So I'm super excited about that. Well, I'm inspired. It's really, really exciting to hear all the great work that's happening and that we're in such a unique moment in time where funding is being made available to actualize some of these big dreams. Darren, same question to you. When you think about the future of of the food system in Phoenix and you think about the future of Tiger Mountain Foundation, 
what are we thinking about? Like, give us a little bit of a vision of what the future may hold. First off, Roseanne, if she had the mic, she just would have dropped it. Just that that's it. I mean, that's it, Roseanne. That's it. Yep, just drop the mic. Show's over. Ladies and gentlemen, Roseanne has left the building. That's it. But we don't so, want her to leave. We don't want her to leave the building, though, because she's doing great work. So you you stay in the building. You can drop the mic, but stay in the building. And keep drop the mic and stay in the building, Roseanne. So my great friend, Greg Peterson, once said, dare to be epic in one of his presentations. And, you know, you go through a lot of different things and you hear a lot of grandmama used to say, uh, good Lord willing in the creek don't rise. If you said, hey, I'll see you tomorrow, she would say, good Lord willing in the creek don't rise. Just that very modest way of understanding that, yeah, we, we may be at 30%, 33%. However, I feel that we dare to be epic. As Roseanne said, you want to have that grandest vision. And when we started this, our vision was pretty ambitious to bring folks who might be killing one another and not even realizing that they could stop killing one another and, and literally start addressing things that were killing them. There's a whole bunch more that goes with this conversation that actually thwarts your progress as a family, as a community. And, and so we were so ambitious initially. And then now that this incredible door of opportunity is here, we are daring to be epic, and our next step in this is we, we don't want to get too far over our skis, as the saying might go. Our next step is to nail the City of Phoenix Backyard Garden Project. We want that to be a next really strong stepping stone. One of our next steps is to increase our produce output for the farmers markets. We're there now. We wanted to be in conversations with developers. So even at that 24, 30, 33%, we're, we're there now. Now, what we do with it is the next day. And, and so we don't take that for granted. We realized that daring to be epic meant that we needed to roll up our sleeves and continue to kick, as we say in Arizona, a little AZZ. That, that's my way of keeping it PG-13. And so that's where we are. We're, we're going to dare to be incredibly epic, grateful, and humble, because that's what it's going to take, we feel, to be better tomorrow and, and beyond just a project. It, it's, it's a gift for our community. And it's an opportunity for us to show that we don't take these gifts lightly. And so I'm looking forward to producing and doing my part to bring it closer to that 60, 65, 70%, and then passing that baton to some folks here so they can bring it all the way home. I love the fact both of y'all mentioned the importance of coming together, that none of this work happens on an individual basis or thanks to just one person. Darren, you mentioned you and your team coming together, realizing the power that you have collectively to actually address some of the root causes of what are ending up with such poor outcomes for certain populations. Roseanne, you said that, you know, in working with the city of Phoenix, it wasn't until one of your city leaders said, listen, y'all get in a room and think big together, come up with some ideas. 
And I think that's a, a really important common thread. And it seems like so much of the work that's happening right now for Arizona's food systems and the food systems in Phoenix is about coming together. It's about bringing the various parts of the food system together. It's about bringing those players together and thinking collectively about how to address some of the shortages and the issues that we see that are ultimately manifesting in the inability of certain populations to actually obtain healthy foods. What final advice or insights about healthy food systems or just the benefits of healthy foods do you want to be sure to share with our audience before we sign off? Could be a plug, could be an invitation for them to get involved, could be just something for folks to think about as they're enjoying their Thanksgiving meal. I just want to say get involved. That old saying, again, get in where you can fit in. Our 30% is still at the city of Phoenix level. I've seen this and I've been a part of this. That 30%, there, there's gardens all around metropolitan Phoenix. There's schools doing gardens now. There are organizations that have garden projects. So I, I don't really want to talk too much of Tiger Mountain Foundation's piece around that. I, I just want to say that I've literally seen folks get out of their wheelchair and walk again because they are eating healthier. I've literally seen me actually be part of what my dream has always been, which is to somehow be able to work side by side with folks that I grew up with. And, and so that's happening. So if some of those incredible dreams can come true, stay involved in, in what it can mean for you is a healthier person, most definitely a healthier community. And then let's continue to work on how it can be so healthy for all of us in a better conversation, no matter where we're coming from. That's just not wishful thinking. That's just a smart way that we can proceed and, and be better together. Roseanne, final advice, insights, or invitations you'd like to offer to the audience? So I would like to say that the city of Phoenix really is serious about food systems and how we can make healthy food available for everyone in our city. And we're putting money into it. We're putting staff and labor into it. We've even got a really cool project called the Arizona Fresh Project that's being planned right now at just south of the Rio Salado between 7th and 16th Street. It's a former city-owned landfill. So it brings everything I love together, cleaning up the environment and putting property back into use. And in this case, Arizona Fresh is a company that's a large produce distributor. They'll have a farmer's market and retail space. We're having a large park that's going to be built on that area. Agri-food tech innovation capacity so that those companies and organizations and nonprofits that want to do something different with regards to agriculture, they can be located there. Commercial, retail, restaurants, all of those fantastic things that make this project great. And it's located in an area of the city that is low income and food desert area. So it's going to be a great project for people living in the area. So we as a city are thinking about it. We also want to invite everybody to start thinking about where do you buy your food? We're going to be initiating a buy local food campaign in the upcoming year. And we really want to highlight places like Tiger Mountain, all of our local urban farms and 
make people understand how important the contributions from our local farmers really are and how nutritious and delicious and wonderful their products are and where you can buy them and how much it makes a difference in our local economy. So we invite people to pay attention to that. Look at your grocery store. Look and see where that produce is coming from. Find out where your farmer's markets are. Consider getting involved in a community garden. And for us, let your voice be heard. Talk to your city council person. Talk to your mayor. Send an email. Send me a note and say, hey, I have this great idea for a food business or a way to create access to healthy food. Because we're open to listening to all of those things. That's how all these programs came about. Because we heard from all of those people out there that suffer these challenges. This is what you need to do. And we've been able to implement that. So you have to think about it all the time. So for us at the city, in order to maintain this, we're going to need that continued support from all of our stakeholders. I would love to see other cities within Maricopa County get involved as well, as well as economic development professionals and continue to hear from developers as we think about them building all these new housing developments, make some space for agri-landscaping, make some space for trees, fruit trees, make some space for a community garden. All of those kinds of things make a difference. So we have to be diligent and we have to keep plugging away at it if we're going to make that change really happen by 2050 or in my mind, hopefully sooner than that. Thank you to Darren Chapman and the team at Tiger Mountain Foundation and to Roseanne Albright and the inspiring work being undertaken by the City of Phoenix to create healthier food systems. As Darren explained, a garden offers so much more than nutritious food and good aesthetic. It cultivates community, provides economic opportunity, and enables resiliency during trying times. Roseanne ended by calling on partners to quote, make some space. What better advice could we receive? During this holiday season, let's all remember to make some space. Make space to recognize the far-reaching power of good food. Make space to appreciate the many components that create a functional food system. Make space to give thanks to the people who rolled up their sleeves to grow, harvest, and distribute the food that's on our tables. And maybe make a little space in your own home for planting something delicious. Many thanks to the team at Gordon C. James Public Relations and producer Rob Trigg at Star Worldwide Networks for editing and sound design. If you enjoyed this episode, you can access all of our podcasts at vitalisthealth.org slash podcast or by searching for Vitalist Spark on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other.